My main goal is high performance and getting people to perform to their best potential. We've got to restructure everything and we've got to retrain ourselves, our routines, our beliefs and everything we've done, we've got to redo. And if you don't shift, you're going to be left behind. You know, people are saying, I don't have enough time. And I say, you know, what's your, what's your happy thing? And making sure we're getting that instead of this grind all the time. Welcome to episode 143 of Be The Drop, a weekly interview podcast sharing stories from people who inspire and motivate others to help you learn how to tell your story. I'm Amelia Veal, Director at Narrative Marketing and firm believer in the superpower of storytelling. As modern life becomes more complex and work pressures increase, stress and burnout are becoming common complaints. Quality of life isn't in the standard business vocabulary, but time management is. And according to this week's guests, this is one key element to achieving a manageable balance in your life. Alexandra Laws is a leading human performance coach who moved from optimal performance in athletics to teaching optimal performance in the corporate sector. Having won World Championships medals and assisted Olympic medal-winning athletes, Alex has proven her method with some of the world's highest achievers. In today's episode of Be The Drop, Alex demystifies optimal performance and she explains how mindfulness, discipline and time management are critical elements to achieve optimal performance and reduce stress. This is Alex's version of Be The Drop. Are you considering starting your own podcast? At Narrative Marketing, we deliver a full range of podcast production options. Or if you'd like help getting started to produce your own content, I also deliver podcast training programs. Hit the link in the show notes for more. Alex, thank you so much for joining me on our next episode of Be The Drop. Thank you for having me. To get us started, you've got an item of significance, and that's something that gives us a little bit of context about you, your story, and what you're going to share with us today. Yeah, my item of significance is a sheepskin, and we actually grew up with them here in Australia. However, I don't use mine like we did back in the days putting babies on it. Mine is my meditation mat. And then it's been all around the world with me doing some amazing adventures. So tell us then, how does this mat and your meditation, how is that connected with your business journey and the path you've been on? I started seriously meditating about eight years ago and it has shifted absolutely everything on how I think, not personally, but also business-wise with my clients, really got me in touch with my intuition which is one of the most powerful guidances I found I now have. And so I've just dived deeper and deeper into this. And so I meditate every morning without fail because it sets the tone for the day. Mm. So there's a component, not only for myself here, but actually there's a great story. Do you want me to tell you? Yes. So uh, we I, love stories. Okay. <laughs> so I was a swimmer here in Australia in the eighties when the 13 to 14 year old age group, which I was in was winning the Olympic gold medals. So in year 12, I went and competed in the first secondary schools triathlon and I won it. And then the following year, while I was doing my year 12, I qualified for the Commonwealth Games. So that was my whole path there. I started doing really, really well with that. Went on to represent Australia four times, went and lived in Europe, competed there. And then I ended up in the US and I just loved it there. And, um, 
then I was forced to retire through health health reasons, actually, and uh, needed to figure out why I've gone from, you know, being in the top of the world to not being able to, you know, function. And uh, that's kind of been a quest I've been on. And I studied exercise kinesiology and then just started getting all these elite athletes and I kept them injury free. Then started working with corporates and people in the entertainment industry because they needed to function well because the pressure's pretty horrendous in that industry. And so my main goal is high performance and getting people to perform to their best potential. And uh, with stress levels being pretty high now, people are needing it more. Yeah. So that then brings you back round. You're back in Adelaide, back in Australia now, and you're working with people in, you know, helping with this reduce stress, helping them be their best. Now I'm, I'm going to read this one. You are working with them and their neural reserve. Yeah. Is that right? And that's something that helps, you know, increase positive impact or, you know, their potential. Please explain that for us. Well, neural reserve was a term that I came up with and it was based on what I did with my athletes. If they had neural reserve, then when they went into the competition, they were able then to focus on the skills and the cognitive demand of the sport that you can't really replicate in training. For instance, I was just telling you earlier about working with Danny Wade to jump the Great Wall of China. Well, we can't practice jumping the Great Wall of China in the backyard, but I had to make sure he had enough neural reserve to be able to do that feat because death was an option if we didn't get it all right. So neural reserve is meeting your physical, mental and emotional demands of the sport, competition, assignment, whatever. So you actually have energy left over. You don't go in there and just get absolutely pulverized and then you limp home and you slump on the couch. It's actually exceeding that. And I've always done that with my athletes. Now I want to do it with corporate. Yeah. So how then, how do you help top up and build those reserves? I've found that there's four key areas for optimal performance. And if you get all those going right, then you've got a good chance of keeping your neural reserve up. And that's, you know, nutrition, uh, movement and energy, restorative and regenerative, that's recovering, and then mindfulness and awareness. So there's like four components and everyone's going to be different in each area, depending just on their makeup, their DNA, a lot of different things. And then on top of that, I biohack all of them in that I take really fast and effective techniques that turn the dial super, super quick because no one's got much time anymore. But how do we turn the dial as quickly as possible and as quickly and as efficiently as possible to get the outcomes that we want? So that's what I've put together. Yeah. And you're working with a whole range of corporates, businesses. Is it tailored towards a specific industry? How does it work? Where does it apply? I started going more high executives because they are the ones that need to lead the teams. Um, Banking's another one because it's, you know, high stakes. So, yeah, it's a lot lot of different industries I'm I'm finding. (laughs) Yeah. And potentially what you're doing is sort of, outside of people's understanding or it's outside mm. of traditional service delivery how do you communicate that in a way that people can understand that's a great question because <laughs> that's probably been the hardest thing I've had to do coming back here the way I communicated in the states was firstly I never had to speak about what I did my work did all the talking here it's completely different so I've had to find how to communicate However, the space is moving so quickly, and I've just noticed in the last six to eight months, the space is is coming up to the information I'm putting out there, and people are recognizing it now more so than ever. I mean, just, I mean, the last three, four years, um, mental health is one of the biggest concerns right now, especially amongst men, um, middle age, 
And that's been a big shift. So now the science is proving all that. Yet what I love is a lot of the the techniques I use are quite ancient and they've been proven for hundreds and hundreds of years. And now science is like, oh yeah, you know, meditation does this, this and this to the brain and it does this. And I love all that. So I kind of mix, you know, ancient wisdom with um, modern science. I like that component. But yeah, the communication part's hard and I need to get people when they're ready. Well, and timing, but timing is such a critical aspect in business. It is. And it's, it's, I often repeat to myself, you know, no doesn't mean never. Right. It just means not right now. Yeah, I agree. So it's about, and it is about, you know, maintaining that. So, you know, not necessarily losing heart, you know, if people say no, it yeah. just means that's not the right fit right now. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. But sometimes that's easier said than done, right? It is. <laughs> because I'm, I wasn't used to it. And it's, it's actually taught me to really analyze how I got the results. Whereas I just did everything very organically, very intuitively. And I just, my focus was keeping it, you know, ahead um, of the curve and, um, and making sure my, my athletes, my clients were getting the goals that they wanted. And what are some of the biggest benefits that you see people get out of addressing these issues? Happiness, <laughs> less stress, just quality of life. I think that's the big one. And we haven't shifted it yet here. I've started seeing the shift in the States. If we don't shift it, that's when we're going to succumb to the stress and the mental illness. I mean, it's it's critical point right now. We've got to restructure everything and we've got to retrain ourselves, our routines, our beliefs, and everything we've done, we've got to redo. And if you don't shift, you're going to be left behind. You know, people are saying, I don't have enough time. That's the biggest one. And it's like creating a lifestyle where you do have time to do the things that you love, you're passionate about. And I say, you know, what's your, what's your happy thing? And that's a non-addictive thing, right? But what's your happy, happy thing, happy place? And making sure we're getting that instead of this grind all the time. Mm. It's not conducive. No. And, you know, I do hear that. And I have spoken to other guests about this concept, but it is training. You have to sort of train yourself to think that. It's about the choices I make and I can only spend my time once so where yeah. do I choose to to yeah. spend that how does that apply in in the workplace as well what are those benefits how does that have ramifications across the workplace I think you have to be really adaptable now because you're getting things coming from your multi-directions right so that's really hard so the more we can actually change and be uncomfortable the more we and quickly we can adapt to certain new situations and that and that and then we can navigate ourselves much better we like being super comfortable and that's why I talk about some of my modalities of, you know, I have a cold shower every single morning. Do I like it? Absolutely not. But, you know, the benefits that it does to my body is huge. I meditate every morning without fail. So I'm constantly challenging myself to change as well. So when things come along, I, I try and be the, the tree that's rooted in the ground. I might sway, but I'm not going to go off with a storm. When you can be rooted in the ground, then it you can just navigate yourself much better. And I think for corporate, that's huge because... I mean, timelines, budgets, oh, just there's so much going on. And then they've got a home life to deal with too. Yeah. So do you actually work with people on time management or is there other areas of their life that helps them? I work on the physical, mental and emotional body. And when we get that going, then their time management gets better. So their brain gets better, they physically are better, and that then they can actually be more effective in their work. So something that might take four hours to go through, they can bang it out in two. Like my actual, when I sit down and work, I just smash stuff out and I give myself blocks. Anything more than a couple of hours, I get up and I do something, right? What were they saying? Our brain is doing 10,000 more synapses a day than it was a generation ago. 
the intensity of the work week, like a 40-hour work week five years ago, now a 40-hour work week, that's, it's more intense. So now people are doing 80. It's just there's no way you can survive with that. Well, how do we get the work done? We've got to just lift everything up and start being super, super efficient. Yeah, so it's not necessarily about more work time, but it's more efficiency within that time. Yeah, yeah. and I certainly feel that like when I have more time or when I carve more time mm. for physical exercise, which I really like, mm. um, but, you know, things get in the way. But I actually find it's it's that it's the self-fulfilling sort of thing. Like the more exercise I do, the more energy I have, which I kind of think it's going to be the other way. Why does that actually make us you know, lead to more efficiency. Well, just on the physical component, what you do, um, one of the big things with that, it releases BDNF, which is brain-derived neurotropic factors, and that helps our cognition. Obviously, movement gets blood flow, energy flow, and all of that. As I said, the model that we used to function out of just doesn't work anymore. We have to shift it. We have to shift it. And it's moving so quickly. And a lot of people have a tough time shifting it. Mm. So what would you be like if you just had to narrow it down to say three top things, what should people do if they're like, they're like, okay, even just to get started in this space, how do I, how do I have a routine that you stick to every single morning and every single day without fail, no excuses, whatever it is. And it's going to be different for people, right? So I have mine. Um, and a lot of people, you know, I, I guide them on like what's important for them have to have a routine when you fall off the bandwagon being sick or whatever, you've got to get back on as soon as possible. Yeah. So have your routine, stick to it. Yeah. And then three, what do you reckon? You have to have within that, you have to have a mindfulness practice. That's the non-negotiable. What classifies mindfulness practice? Cause, cause, yeah. cause can, can my running be a mindfulness practice? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Cause you're in nature, especially where you are here. Um, mindfulness. Some people can be walking on the beach barefoot some people can just be going and hiking in like I mean Blair National Park like around here being in nature is very grounding so important explore what works for you and that's why I try and give a bunch of different examples of people and you'll know when it sits right with you also disconnecting from obviously computers and that and having some quiet time to yourself right and going and being quiet within yourself because if you're not listening within within yourself. You're just reacting to everyone else's projections. Mm. I'm really interested in this idea of how you project yourself and the impact on others, and why you need to. Why do you need to consider that? Oh my gosh! Um, well, I have this awesome ac- well this acronym that I came about up with, and it's called not taking on other people's poop. P O O P, which is projections, objections, opinions, and perceptions. If something's annoying you or um, you're getting a certain response from people, what what are you sending out, Mm. right? Instead of blaming everyone else, take some accountability. It's such an important point that often gets missed in this conversation because, yes, we shouldn't take on board other people's crap, I say, or poop, but I think we don't necessarily take responsibility for what we're putting out there. And, And sometimes we're not even necessarily aware of it. There is an actual consciousness that you have to go through to think. What am I projecting? Right, which is why one of those quadrants I call mindfulness and awareness. Mindfulness, doing a mindfulness practice, but awareness, how are you projecting yourself onto others, to the planet, to how are you projecting yourself? Because it's going to come back. Yes. And a lot of people have a tough time with that. 
Thank you so much, Alex, for joining me. In conclusion, though, you're not quite off the hook. I'd like to finish with Alex's Be The Drop tip. Now, so that is your top tip for communicating and connecting and creating influence. I'd have to go with what we just kind of said is the more people that can be aware of how they're projecting themselves, the more harmonious we can be and the more we can achieve. And how can we do it collectively? And that's a big movement with that at the moment, I think, on the planet in general. Um, There's a big movement with it in the States. And it's just all getting along. Yeah. And, you know, surely only positive things can come from that. I've seen it. It's only positive things. So, yeah, I would say that. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Alex. Thank you. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Be The Drop. Don't forget to subscribe in order to ensure you never miss out on one of our weekly episodes. Be The Drop is produced by Narrative Marketing, where we believe that stories connect individuals and that powerful storytelling can positively impact the world. To unleash your storytelling superpower, visit narrativemarketing.com.au or check out our social links in the show notes. To contact me directly with any specific comments you have, you can email me via amelia at narrativemarketing.com.au. And don't forget that whilst a task or challenge may seem overwhelming, a waterfall begins with one drop and look what comes from that.